Good afternoon, and welcome to the Riff Ram Sports Show here on KTCU 88.7 The Choice, back from a hiatus due to the Thanksgiving holiday. My name is Phil Papadakis. And I'm Sydney Laudit. And Sydney, generally, I'm going to switch it up a bit. For new right. listeners, generally, I announce what the song is, talk about it a little bit, and then ask Sydney if she's ever heard of this before. Now I'm going to say, what song is this? And see what you can come up with on the spot. It sounds like The weekend, but that's all it I've got. It is The weekend. I, I'm out. <laughs> so, a couple things. First off, The weekend put out an album this past Friday called Starboy. This is the song Die For You, the penultimate track on that album. So, a couple things I learned this weekend. A, I didn't realize The weekend only had two E's in it, not three. Oh my god. Listen to this. I love this chorus so much. I'd like all of our listeners to know that Phil just did a little dance. I've been dancing all over the place to this album this weekend. Um, even on campus, I was dancing around today, just like chilling out. Um, I'm sure everybody appreciated that. So anyway, it he spells it W-E-E-K-N-D. I didn't know that either. Uh, so anyway, more importantly, the album's pretty good. Crucially, it's not great. It's 18 tracks long, and there's a fabulous 10-track album in here somewhere. Cut some of the fluff that sounds kind of monotonous, focus on the great songs, and then it could be an album of the year candidate. Because there are some incredible songs on here that I can't play, because if you're listening to the clean version of The Weeknd, you're doing it wrong. So, yeah, so only some of the songs I can play, such as this, which is Die For You, as I mentioned. But other great songs, like Sidewalks, featuring the presenting sponsor of this show, Kendrick Lamar. I Feel It Coming, another Dash Punk track, and you know I love Dash Punk. <laughs> Some Lana Del Rey on there, like on the song Party Monster, that's a lot of fun. There's a rockin', there's a song called Rockin' that sounds like it's Disclosure. I'm real into it. Not to mention, The Weeknd's like the best male vocalist in the current pop sphere. That's true. I'd have to agree with you. Like, there aren't many pop male pop stars in, like, out there right now anyway, and none of them sound as good as The Weeknd. Yeah. Like, Bruno Mars put out an album a week before this, which is solid, um, called 24 Karat Magic. We're not gonna play it today, because we have other stuff going on. <laughs> uh, but, like, not the vocalist that The Weeknd is. And, in fact, the Daft Punk songs on this record are so good this is kind of sacrilege to say because of how much I love Daft Punk and how much I love the album Random Access Memories. But I do wonder if Daft Punk could go back in time. Would they get the weekend to sing on Get Lucky instead of Pharrell? That would be a good idea. I don't know. But anyway, check the album out. It's the number one album in America in the whole world. It's got like seven of the top ten songs on Spotify this week. He's real popular, this dude. Abel Tesfay is his name. Hard enough to pronounce and write that it's probably smart he chose a stage name. <laughs> probably. Anyway, if you didn't know, and it would be reasonable that you didn't know because we just spent five minutes talking about the weekend, <laughs> this is the Riff Ram Sports Show, operative word being sports. We usually talk about sports. And this week, there are five items on the news docket 
that we deemed worthy of being on the show. Number one, playing the Washington professional football team for the second time this season. The Cowboys won their 10th straight game on Thanksgiving to go 10-1, and the best record in the NFL. Dak Prescott continues to play immaculate football. And Ezekiel Elliott continued his run of dominance with 97 yards and two touchdowns, keeping atop the league in rushing yards. To put things into perspective, Prescott is on pace to have the best rookie season for a quarterback in almost every statistical category in the history of the NFL. And the last time a rookie won the NFL rushing record, something Ezekiel Elliott is currently on pace to do, was Eric Dickerson in 1983 when he also won the MVP and posted what was probably the greatest rookie season of all time in the history of the NFL, regardless of position. I am, this is like the best year ever for the Cowboys. Also, it's because I work for them, so I'm becoming a huge Cowboys fan. Um, but it's so much fun to watch them play, and it's so much fun to be in the stadium while the Cowboys are having a good season because everybody's so happy and so excited. And as I was leaving the game, fans were chanting 10-1, and one, and it was just such a cool Thanksgiving game. So one of, the, one of the interesting things is I agree with you. It's a lot of fun, and there's a sense of momentum around this team that I haven't seen in the years I've been living here. But it always gets sad when they cut the Tony Romo on the sidelines on the telecast. Yeah, I I know. And I feel a little bit bad for Tony Romo because, like, it's not his fault that he lost his starting position. But And while we were gone, he graciously conceded in a speech uh, that he wasn't going to, like, essentially compete for the job that he was giving it over to Dak. Which I... I'm not a, a huge Tony Romo fan, as everybody who's listened to this show before probably knows. But I think this was one of the best things I've ever seen an athlete do. Just be gracious enough to realize that your team is doing so well and they have all this momentum and you don't want to mess it up. And Dak Prescott is so deserving of this position that I think it would be so hard at this point to give it back to Tony Romo and keep like keep the momentum going. I agree. Romo would not play. I mean, it, it would be almost impossible to conceive of a situation where Romo was playing better than Dak was. Right, I agree. And even at his best, Dak gives an aspect of running the ball that Romo has never have. had and yeah. certainly isn't going to have at what, like 37, I believe 37 with... All of his injuries. Yeah, and multiple back surgeries. Yeah. It, most people, so I don't want to mischaracterize what I'm about to say. The vast majority of NFL analysts that I saw supported Tony Romo's decision. But there was a plurality of NFL a- analysts who complained that Romo was making it about himself and that he should have just gone along, which, like, just to me centers my biggest problem with the league, which is there is no way to have fun. <laughs> like, even in a situation like this, when Ro- Tony Romo is conceding the, po- the position as the star of the franchise, the starting quarterback, right? which is not an inherently fun thing. I shouldn't even say no fun league. Like, just no positive feelings at all no feelings at all of any sort yeah like it was a genuine moment if you watch the speech 
he really like it seems genuine. It doesn't seem fake because he knows he's going to lose the job. Like I respect him on that. And it's also a weird situation. He's not going to leave the team this season because the trade deadline's already done. Jerry Jones said he doesn't want Romo to leave the team at all, which seems a little weird that, like, I believe he's the ninth highest paid player in the NFL and he'd be a backup. That doesn't make a whole lot of cap sense. Not at all. So people have theorized trading him to Denver. People were talking about sending him to the Jets, which I don't know why he would ever do because, like, that's just throwing away anything you have left. I think if the 49ers get a new coach, he might fit there. I mean, you're not going to get a new coach because, like, the only team that would ever conceive of firing two coaches after one season back-to-back is the Browns, and even they haven't done that. So that's not going to happen. But, like, Chip's Chip gonna Kelly stay is just... And then the Browns are going to take Miles Garrett first overall, and then you'll get, like, Deshaun Kaiser, and it'll suck. And then... <laughs> I mean, the difference is, if you're a 49ers fan, like, you will eventually be good again. Just because you're probably going to make a bad quarterback decision in this draft that'll set you back, like, three seasons <laughs> doesn't mean you're doomed forever. Ugh, I'm so mad at the 49ers right now. Anyway, we move on. Because it, it, as fun as it is to talk about the Cowboys and enjoy their success, they've won the same way all ten of these games. There's not that much analysis left to do. Like, anything left, everything that could be said has been said, right? Like, the offensive line's the best in football. Yeah, they're off. Oh, yeah. Zeke is the best running back in football, and Dak's one of the five to ten best quarterbacks in the league this year. For sure. Depending on where you put, like, Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, number two. Continuing a three-year run of dominance. TCU beat Texas in Austin this weekend in dominating fashion, 31-9. to Despite the best efforts of quarterback Kenny Hill, who threw for 150 yards with a lower than 50% completion percentage, one pick and zero touchdowns, TCU still found a way to put up a solid offensive effort behind a committee of running backs who combined for 249 yards and four touchdowns. TCU's defense continues to improve and put forth its best game of the season with four sacks, and they forced a turnover while being on the field longer than they would have liked. The final game of the season is Saturday against Kansas State at home. The winner plays A&M in the Texas Bowl, while the loser plays Georgia in the Liberty Bowl. To be clear, I got that information from Bleacher Report. There is apparently some conflicting information that we might end up in the Cactus Bowl in other weird scenarios, but that's what we're going with. I'm super excited that TCU got a bowl game. As am I, because just a couple of weeks ago, that did not seem... It probably still felt likely, if we're being honest, but it was not a guarantee at all. And after getting destroyed by Oklahoma State, it definitely didn't feel like... Wait, what week of college football was this? This week? Yeah. Um, So, for the vast majority of teams, it was week 12, the final week of the regular season. Okay. Uh, But because... The Big 12 doesn't have a conference title game. They just move everything around so that every team has an extra week. So we were still playing the conference slate next week when most conferences are going to be playing a title game. Off the top of my head, the ones I know for a fact, uh, it's Wisconsin-Penn State in the title game for the Big 10, Alabama-Florida title game in the SEC, 
Washington, Colorado in the Pac-12, which is like the weirdest title game in history, but we'll get to that later. And ACC is what? Virginia Tech and Clemson? I think so. I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah, ESPN still has us projected for TCU in the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. Against whom? UCLA. All right. I mean, Rosen's not playing, so I wouldn't be too scared. But The Bulls are so weird. I, I swear there's like some eyes wide shut level behind closed door tomfoolery going on to decide who goes where. <laughs> that probably landed on deaf ears because I doubt you've ever seen eyes wide shut. Nope. Kubrick, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman before they got divorced. No? Any ringing any bells? Oh, um, CBS has the Cactus Bowl as Baylor-Boise State. See, again, nobody knows, because I've heard that Baylor is likely to play Navy in the Air Force Armed Forces Bowl here on campus, which would suck, because I don't want to welcome Baylor fans onto campus <laughs> if we don't have to. Um, yeah, I'd also like to avoid that. But then there's also, st- like, the Armed Forces Bowl website already has Navy on the like on their graphics, yet... Navy might get a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't don't think anyone knows. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody is just kind of shooting in the dark with this one. Anyway, though, TCU did play well. And Texas, for as much craziness that was happening, uh, it had been announced, not announced, but it had been essentially confirmed by many sources that Charlie Strong was going to be fired after the game. What a terrible situation to have to go coach a game you know is your last game. Uh, he was promptly fired. Then there was stuff about Tom Herman, who was the guy Texas wanted, whose agent was playing hardball by leaking to the press a fake news story that he had already been decided upon as the LSU coach. And then LSU came out and they're like, we want to talk to Tom Herman, but we haven't said anything to him yet. And then they got Ed Ogeron as their coach without talking to Tom Herman because Tom Herman wanted more money than they were willing to spend and they didn't want to get into a bidding war. And then Tom Herman ended up as tex- at Texas as we all suspected he would. And then people on Twitter got mad because they thought Tom Herman was making too much money, even though get out of people's pockets. It's not your money, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, this was... I, I think coaching at Texas would be one of the worst jobs. Really? Yeah. I think Texas is right there with USC. Fires people real speedy. But not historically. And they gave Charlie Strong three years where he never had a winning record. And he was like being thought about it staying even after losing to Kansas, which is like. Yeah, that was embarrassing for them. As bad as things get. So, I I mean, uh... I, I disagree. Well, I feel like at USC, you could have three not good seasons, and people are still going to let you stick around. Like, USC is the ideal job. I also think Stanford is the ideal job, but, no. you know. No. I love Stanford. Uh, no bitterness think- for denying my application to that school, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but, like, I wouldn't coach Stanford. I, I would. But my point is, it's not the best job because – your recruiting poll is so limited about the people that. But can they obviously get into can school. still find players who are incredibly smart and incredibly talented because this is okay. This year I mean, is not they, a great example, but the can, past couple years have but been. It, 
It's insane. way harder. The job's way harder. You've got to hit on like all of those smart guys. If you lose some of the smart guys, now you're really limited in your talent pool. Versus if you're at USC, like swing a cat in Southern California and you're going to hit three guys that are going to the NFL and they want to go to USC. Sorry, why are we swinging a cat? I, that's a small <laughs> area of space. And my point is within any small radius, you can find NFL talent in Southern California. Fair enough. So, and you get to live in LA and the fans aren't crazy enough that if you like don't win double-digit games one season, they're not going to call for your head like you're in the but SEC or Stanford like you're at Ohio State. recruits better all over the country. Anyway. Because it's such a on, good school. On. I, I got to host this show. I don't know how we got on to, like, Pac-12 coaching decisions when we're talking about the Big 12. So <laughs> the point is TCU beat Texas, and it wasn't a guarantee. I'm glad they did. TCU, the players really take – this game is a rivalry game. I don't think the Texas players do, but the TCU players do because a lot of them don't get recruited by Texas and it makes them mad, which is fair. Uh, and it's not like Texas has been super smart about recruiting guys. They didn't offer JT Barrett a scholarship, but that's besides the point. <laughs> anyway, before we move on, what are your expectations for Texas in the future under Tom Herman? I have no idea. I feel like this is a program that's generally good, and this year was like just a weird year. Except the year before, they also went six and seven. I just no. In my head, Texas yeah, is one of those six and seven schools last that's year always and year good. Before. Even though they haven't had a winning record in three years and haven't won a bowl game in like four or five years. Yes. Just, it's like you're still feeling the blue blood. It's like Georgia. Like I always feel like they're good, even when they're not. Even though Georgia was real bad this year. Real bad. But like it's one of those schools. Like bad like, enough that well, if we end up six and six, we're gonna play them. Well, like. It's one of those schools that you know in the next couple of years will be fine again. Because I mean, their program is so strong historically the benefit that they'll for, be fine. The benefit for Tom Herman is I thought strong would be dramatically better next year. Anyway, Texas pl- started the most freshmen and sophomores in the country of any FBS school this year. So the young talent is there. They just need time to play in mesh. And now Tom Herman is going to come in and look like a genius when Texas wins 10 games next year. Yeah. And it's mostly going to be on the back of what Charlie Strong did. Right. Which, as much as I love Charlie Strong, in some of the interviews, especially after the Kansas lost, when they asked him, like, do they, does he know what this means for his future? And he just sat there and he's like, no, I don't. We're heartbreaking because he's such a good dude and everyone seems okay, to love but him. but he for sure knew what it meant for his future. Well, again, there were rumors that they would keep him. That, like, maybe if they beat TCU and made a bowl game, he'd stay. Besides the point... You have to be fired if you lose to Kansas. Like that, <laughs> that's fair enough. That's the long and short of it. And he'll be great somewhere else. If he'll TCU end up had a- lost to Kansas, would you advocate firing Gary? No, but that's different. <laughs> I mean, if you're the Texas coach and you lose to Kansas, you have to be fired. All right, fine. I don't know this offhand because I didn't look it up because I thought we'd be talking about TCU more than Texas. Is like I, re- I feel like I remember reading that they hadn't lost to Kansas in like 80 years or well, something ridiculous. Yeah, it's something like that. And that was Kansas's like second Big 12 win in three years, four years. Yeah, and they had one win against an FCS team so I, far that this year. Yeah, that was. I mean, Kansas their best work. Kansas just runs their football program with the leftover money from the basketball program. <laughs> it's 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 just tough. I feel bad 
Charlie Strong was in a rock and hard place. He'll end up somewhere like Purdue or somewhere and probably end up being good. So, well, Oregon's going to be looking for a coach. Do you think like super hard nosed defense first Charlie Strong is going to go to Oregon? I think Oregon needs to do something different, so maybe. <laughs> I, I suspect that's not going to happen. But I, anyway. I'd have to agree with that suspicion, but nonetheless, it'd be fun. Number three. <laughs> After losing to Mexico and Columbus for the first time in years, the U.S. men's national team needed a win in Costa Rica to keep Jurgen Klinsmann's job and stay in the driver's seat for World Cup qualification. Unfortunately, the U.S. lost 4-0, their worst loss ever in Costa Rica, and Klinsmann was promptly relieved of his duties on the U.S. men's national team. Replacing him is former L.A. Galaxy coach, Bruce Arena, who also coached the U.S. men's national team from 1998 to 2006, real fresh blood coming into the team, and saw the best U.S. men's national team performance in modern World Cup history when they reached the quarterfinal in the 2002 World Cup. So, we'll start with this. Well, well, okay. I didn't even watch the Costa Rica game because you could only watch it on, like, be in sports or an illegal stream. Perfect. So, that didn't happen. Uh, Costa Rica's broadcasting abilities not necessarily well, as good kind as the of U.S. Minimal, yep. But you can't lose to Costa Rica 4 0. Now, to be fair, we had never won in Costa Rica, period. But losing 4 0 is a catastrophe, and Klinsman deserved to be fired. Now, whether Bruce Arena is the right coach, I don't know. So, Bruce Arena is not going to make this team dramatically better. If your goal is to win a World Cup, which I think it should be, even if that's ridiculously unlikely, Bruce Arena's not going to be the coach that does that. But you are now just trying to qualify for the World Cup because after losing the first two games of the Hex, you've now almost got to run the table in order to qualify for Russia. And Bruce Arena can do that. Right, he knows the team. He knows all. He knows what Hinduris is going to be like. He knows how to play those guys. So, in that sense, it's a strong temporary hire in order to get to the World Cup. But it puts the U.S. men's national team in a state where, overall, U.S. soccer is now in a bad place because they don't have a technical director at the moment, and how they think they're going to create a culture in this country that's the size of a continent where it's very hard to identify young talent when we have more young soccer players than any other country in the world, but they're also spread out. It's hard, and it's a monumental task. It's why I half-jokingly said that Theo Epstein, now that he's destroyed both the Red Sox and the Cubs curse, should become the technical director for the U.S. men's national team. That'd be fun. I mean, I don't know that he knows anything about soccer, but I also don't know that it matters. We'll just pretend. I mean, because it's just about building a culture and a system of educating and teaching technical ability to young men in this case. Because the women are fine. (laughs) Our women are pretty good. So we don't have to worry about them. Anyway, number four. Maybe like the most exciting thing on the list this week for me. TCU basketball remains undefeated to start the 2016-17 campaign with wins over major programs UNLV and Washington. Strong performances from the Frogs' dual point guard lineups featuring A&M transfer Alex Robinson and freshman Jalen Fisher have led the way for a surprising TCU team. TCU plays Washington once again tomorrow 
at the Schulmeyer Arena. Now, this, like, TCU basketball might not be bad. I'm so excited. Now, people will remember a couple years ago when they started 13-0, and and I believe, like, ran the table on their non-conference slate. But they didn't te- play a team nearly as good as Washington. Washington, whose point guard, Mark Fuentes, I believe his name is, don't quote me on that, is was the seventh recruit in the nation this year. And they have the number two overall recruit in the nation coming in next year. So they're a talented team. They had Mark Chris, who was a lottery pick last year that came off that team, as well as a, their point guard, who's now on the Spurs. Like They're a talented team in an up-and-coming program, and you beat them by double digits on neutral court. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for TCU. I think this is I think TCU really has the potential to be good in all of our big 3 sports. So, I I've maintained that as bad as the program has been in the past, that there's nothing about TCU that me as someone who's only been following TCU basketball now for 3 years, there's nothing to me about this program that says you can't make the tournament once every graduating class so that every four years you make the tournament at least. And I think with Jamie Dixon, we're going to be better than that at some point, but I I didn't expect us to be good this year. And again, it's early. We're only six games in, but they look a lot better than I would have thought. And they look like a team that has the technical ability and the talent to compete in the Big 12, not yet for titles, but as a competitive team. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I think in the next few years we'll be a really good basketball school, which is... I don't know if I'd go that far. Really? I think... I always. I also have, like, really high expectations for TCU sports. I said we'd go, like... 11-1. and 11-1. So, like... I have really high expectations because I love this school, but I think there's potential. I think the best you could hope for is like an Iowa State level of yeah. Quality, so like one of the better teams in the Big Twelve make, for sure. You routinely make the tournament, right? Uh, there are periods when I mean I don't think we're gonna be Kansas, but I think no. we're gonna be good enough to make the tournament and win maybe a game or two. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to see us make the tournament before I graduate, which seems unlikely unless I become a super senior, which I'm not willing to do just to qualify to see the tournament <laughs> before I graduate. Yeah, that seems unnecessary. But, like, I mean, this team's not bad. And if you watch them play, which I encourage you to do because they're playing at home against Washington, that's a big game. Jimmy Dixon even tweeted out an anchorman tweet to try to get people to show up and get loud. <laughs> uh, like, they're... They're good, and even if they lose, like, they play solid basketball in, you know, relative to college basketball, but which barely counts, right? Like, college basketball is generally small guys pulling up from 30 feet, shooting, missing, some yeah. a 6'11 dude getting the rebound, <laughs> and then that's it, or taking charges or whatever. It's not exactly great technical ability. Right. Moving on to another basketball team without great technical ability. The Dallas Mavericks have the worst record in the NBA at 3-13, and and due to substantial injuries, barely have an NBA roster at this point. They recently had to start four undrafted players in their starting lineup. 
albeit one of them was with Matt Wes Matthews, so I don't know if that counts, but Wes Matthews hasn't been the same post-Achilles. Harrison Barnes, however, continues to lead the team in scoring and be the one bright spot at just under 21 points per game while also being in the top five in usage rate in the league. Now, Sydney, uh, have you forced yourself to watch any Dallas Mavericks basketball? I suspect not. I don't. I watch the Warriors when I have time. They're like 16-2 and two now, yeah. one eleven straight. Looking pretty good. As one would expect when you have the only team in NBA history to have two under 30 MVPs. But the Mavericks, it, it's... Again, it's tough because it's hard to judge what this team is with the current roster the way it is. Dirk has been gone for a lot of it due to injury. He's now working his way back in, but even when healthy, he's still a huge minus defensively. Darren Williams has been off and on, and even when he's played, he hasn't been great. J.J. Barea, who's one of like three guys on the team that can generate his own shot right there with Harrison Barnes and Darren Williams, has also been injured. So, I mean, it's tough. You're playing Dwight Howard. Dwight Powell, excuse me, way more than you want to. You're playing Salah, Mejri, oh, way more Dwight than Powell? you should. He played at Stanford. Yeah, he did. That's my extension. He was on. I believe he was Stanford on that football. team. Stanford that, basketball. I believe he was on the team that beat Kansas and got to the Sweet 16. I and think like, he might have been. Good Kansas. Like they had Wiggins that year, and I think Abid was injured by that point, but he was also on that team. Anyway, and then. Powell got drafted by, like, Charlotte and traded on draft night to the Cavs, who traded him to Boston in order to make cap room for LeBron, and then Boston traded him to Dallas for in the Rondo deal. Anyway, <laughs> you're just playing guys who should not play on an active NBA team. And it brings the question that everyone's thinking, if you're the Mavs, do you just tank this season? My answer is... Is yes, as you would imagine, as a long time listeners know. I've talked about the fact that the Mavs should tank for a couple years now because they just don't have enough young talent to maintain playoff success in the future. And the best year to do it, in my mind, is this year. The draft is really good, supposedly. I mean, we won't know for quite a few years. And crucially, the rest of the league is out of tank mode, right? So Brooklyn isn't tanking because they don't have their pick. Philly's not tanking because they want to actually be good. Like, the Lakers aren't taking. They're around 500. New Orleans doesn't want to tank because they don't want to ruin Anthony Davis's time in New Orleans. So you can tank without actually deliberately losing games. Right. Like, you can tank by just giving Harrison the Harrison Barnes the ball, like, 35 times a game. That's true. So, we'll see if they end up doing it. I suspect they will. They might not even have a choice based on the fact that the team's not very good. They might just end up being the worst team in basketball anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see. Nice thing is that when the Cavs come to town, the tickets will be cheaper than they usually are. That's true. So, I'll be maybe able to go. Get excited. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the Mavs, though. I went to the Cavs game last year. Because they got me tickets. <laughs> like the Mavs officially let me in. I got to go into the locker room. All That's that fun stuff. Fancy. And I worked with them this summer on the internship. I really like the Mavs. I just think it makes like strategic sense to tank this year. Yeah. Anyway, that's the news. <laughs> when we come back, we'll be talking about college football 
and the playoff rankings and how lots of people are upset and mad. Maybe justified, maybe not. You'll find out when we come back. On the Rip Ram Sports Show, on KTCU, 88.7, the choice. We'll be right back. <laughs> I don't blame you. We got carried away. I can't hold on to an empty space. Now you found when you start to orbit. It could be love. I think you're too soon to call us old. Here at KTCU 88.7 The Choice. My name's Phil Papadakis. That is Sydney Laudit. And this is What Do You Think? Is this like a new fun game for you? I don't know. I just thought we'd do something different today. What do you think this is? Expose my minimal musical knowledge. Um, I have no idea who this is. All right. The band name starts with The. Does that help at all? Not at all. They all, all of their albums have X's on them. <laughs> this is Hold On by the XX. The XX, a British, like, I don't know. I, I'd call it pop. It's kind of, it's more just like chill music. This is their lead single off their upcoming album, which drops next year, called Hold On. And you might know the XX by one of the members, Jamie XX, who put out a great kind of dance record last year that I played a song from on this show. So if you're into it, you can check out the single in the album when it comes out next year. Sydney, are you into it? Not particularly. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Now, more pressing issue. Sydney... Are you into the college football playoff? I suspect yes. I am. <laughs> so, I'm excited about it. Right now, we, I mean, I think in like 20 minutes, if you're listening to this live, the actual like show that announces college football playoff rankings will be going live. But as of right now, Alabama was one, Ohio State was two. Michigan was three, Clemson was four. Michigan lost to Ohio State in overtime, so we suspect Michigan State will go down. Louisville lost to Kentucky in a really random upset, so they're probably out of the picture. They were fifth. So a lot of people are now theorizing what's going to happen to Ohio State, who was ranked two but isn't going to play for a conference title game because the Big Ten title game is going to be Wisconsin and Penn State, who beat Ohio State. But Penn State has one more loss in Ohio State. And now the questions start piling up. If Penn State wins the Big Ten title, do they make it in over Ohio State? Do both teams make it in? It's an interesting conundrum uh, that probably 
like rings true to many TCU fans' hearts because what's happened? Like Ohio State is not in a situation unlike what happened to TCU in 2014. Also, shout out to TCU, or excuse me. I mean, shout out to TCU, I guess. But specifically, uh, prayers going out to Ohio State's campus. I have dozens of friends and family there, luckily, who are all safe. But there was some craziness on campus that happened yesterday. And uh, not as bad as was initially, initially reported, thankfully. But just keep safe. Anyway, sports-wise, do you think Ohio State is going to make the playoff? Do you think they should make the playoff? I I do. I think they'll make the playoff. And I think... I know they lost, but I still think they're one of the best teams in this country. So, I mean, that gets to the heart of the problem, right? It's the eye test versus the resume, right? So, Ohio State, I think most people would say when you watch them play, seems like one of the four best teams in the country. They right. beat Michigan, who most people, based on the eye test, would probably also say is one of the four best teams in the country. Right. But then you think, all right, Penn State, do they have a better resume than Ohio State? Penn State has the head-to-head. We're theorizing that they would have the Ben 10 title game, but maybe they wouldn't. But even who if they else, don't... Who was Penn State's other loss? I don't know offhand, but it was uh, it wasn't in the conference. Okay, interesting. So, if you're even if Penn State loses, now we wonder: okay, does Wisconsin have a shot? Most people suspect not because they don't have the quality win that Penn State has over Ohio State. But Wisconsin could be in, and it makes things challenging, especially because a lot of people would say. How can you keep Washington out if they win the title in the Pac-12? I think Washington deserves to go. Um, I think it's super important that oh that Washington gets to go. Assuming I think they're they a great team. Assuming they win, which I think they will. Would you be a contrarian and like put Colorado in if they win? No. No. Wouldn't do that. I Stanford hasn't here. I'll just this is my frame of reference. Um, I was at the Colorado-Stanford game this year, and Stanford is not great. And Colorado won 10-5. to 5. Like, they couldn't make anything happen on offense. Their defense was fine. But, like, they're just not as good of a team as Washington is. Versus and, Washington, who's one of the most exciting teams in college football. Whose right. only loss is to USC, who's one of the... I mean, they have three losses, but they're on a long win streak right now. They're playing really well. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing. Right now, you're, Alabama's going to get in. In right. fact, it's nearly so definite that somebody asked Nick Saban about it in a press conference, and he went off about how he thinks it's ridiculous that people don't accept, like, don't look at the game in front of them and take things for granted and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Whatever. That's a topic for another time. <laughs> Ohio State was number two. They won. You suspect they'll stay in, but again, it's not necessarily totally dissimilar to when TCU was number three, won their final game, Ugh. but got left out. Still bitter. Still bitter. Clemson, assuming they win the ACC, which obviously we expect they will, you assume they make it in. Right. If for no other reason. I mean, they say this is not something they look at, but you would potentially, either in the first round or in the 
championship game have a rematch of last year's incredible national title game, it never wants to see that. Right. Even if Clemson's not quite as good as they were last year. Yeah. We mentioned Washington. Michigan was three. I think everyone suspects they're out, even if they are one of the best teams in the country, which I think they are. Yeah, I think after and, that loss, they're they're done. And maybe like got duped on a bad call. Yeah, on a few bad calls. If you listen to Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> oh, you gotta and love Jim Harbaugh. Those seem to be the teams in it. We mentioned Penn State, Wisconsin a little bit, but it's. I, it's interesting to me because there are so many college football fans who hate the playoff. And it's like, it floors me because it's exactly what we wanted. Right? Everybody asked for it. No one wanted the computers anymore. Everyone wanted people who watch the games. But now we watch the games and there's still just as much chaos. Yeah. In fact, there's probably more chaos. Yeah, because now we're relying on a group of people's opinions on these teams. And, I mean, obviously it's not all opinion. A lot of these teams have proven themselves as some of the best teams in the nation. But, like, at the end of the day, we still don't know why TCU got left out two years ago. And I think we do. Yeah, but, you know. In fact, it um, like, I will go on to say that Ohio State will make it in. And there will be a lot of angry TCU fans. There will be a lot of fans in general of college football angry on behalf of TCU. And I will be there being like, but it's not really the same thing. <laughs> but not really. Because TCU would have made it in if Ohio State hadn't beaten, I think at the time was the 12th ranked team in the nation in Wisconsin that year, 56 to nothing in the conference title game. Like that's... Ugh. We were. Uh, that's incredible. I still feel the pain. Like still bitter. That's incredible, and that's not going to happen this year, right? Because there's no, like, who, whoever the sixth ranked team is tonight, it's probably going to be Michigan, and they're not going to play for the conference title game. Yeah. So I, maybe if Colorado wins fifty six nothing, then Colorado jumps Ohio State. <laughs> but I suspect that's not going to happen. It does seem unlikely. There have also been conversations about well, actually, I, just a little side aside. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember reading that in the BCS, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it would be Alabama Washington in the title game. Interesting. Anyway, there have also been people being like, "See, this is why we should have an eighteen playoff, <sighs> where you just put every Power Five winner in, and then you have three other slots." That way, if Western Michigan can go undefeated, they get in. If Ohio State doesn't play in the conference title game, they can still get in. I don't know. I think we keep trying to come up with ways to make this better. But at the end of the day, it's college football. It's not the end of the world. I want to be vehemently clear. We need to stay at four. Yeah, I think because continuing to make it different isn't going to make it better. Because to me, if there are four teams, you guarantee that somebody's pissed. <laughs> and sports are better when people are upset. That's fair. Because sports are trivial and frivolous and dumb, and they don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. So 
if we can't be passionate about them. I mean, think, right, what a privilege to be as upset as we can be over something as dumb as sports. That's true. And I do think the sport is more fun when someone gets screwed over. <laughs> even if it's it was pretty sucky when you're the team that gets yeah, screwed even over, if though. it was us in 2014, even if it's Ohio State this year. Like, I think it's better when people are upset. I think it's better when you can have the college football playoff TV show. And after the rankings are announced, they have six different people up there with six different opinions, all equally as upset that something arbitrary didn't occur. Yeah, that's true. Which is not to say that I think the committee should purposely get it wrong. Yeah. I think they should find the four best teams, whatever that means, because they refuse to admit whether it's the best resume, the best eye test team, the best this, the best that. They say it's like a multitude of things, and they contradict themselves every week, which I would argue is the fun of it, right? Like, that's the point. I know, and I have my, like, four best teams who I think should make the playoffs, and so whenever they pick different teams... I always just get really angry because I think they did it wrong. But like, and in my head, I'm thinking the four best teams should get to play. But I'm sure that's what they think as well. And so like, I but think then you have to TCU judge, was the best team. But and, then you have to judge conference titles. No, I know. I I don't envy their job judge. at all. One but, of the weird things, and this is the case in any version of college football that has occurred. It, I mean, I get it, but it always frustrates me that you're better if you have one loss your loss is better off being to a nobody than to a good team yeah that's true because like then the good team has the head-to-head win over you right even though let's say like i I don't want to keep going back to 2014 but (laughs) baylor loses to west virginia we lose to baylor in a closer game than baylor loses to west virginia baylor's a much better team than west virginia right tcu ends up behind baylor because baylor owns the head-to-head even though baylor lost in a worse fashion right but because they have the quote better win unquote against a good team and again, that's why I get it. Like I understand it. You want the better win. It's cr- maybe but we can't the- discount the worst loss. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? Like you're better off having a better win and a worse loss than a better loss and a worse win. Ugh, it's so frustrating. I wish we could go back to the computers. Let's let computers decide the playoff. That that's the compromise. Even though everyone hated the computers, lest oh, we I forget how computers. much everyone hated them. When we still had computers, Oregon got to play in the national championship. Ahead of TCU, who they probably like, it was debatable that they were better than. Yeah, but I didn't know that I liked TCU then, and I liked Oregon, so it worked out. But my point is, like everyone, <laughs> everyone hated the computer, and hold, that gets me to another point. <laughs> All right. We w- remember why we had the playoff. Does anyone remember this? It wasn't just to get more blue bloods into contention. That already they had enough. It was so that teams that were one step below them could make it in. So that Boise State 
and TCU in the seasons they were undefeated could actually compete for a national title. Because in 2010, TCU was undefeated, one of the best teams in the country, but they played in the Mountain West. And they didn't end up playing for the BCS title game because Oregon got in, who was also undefeated, so whatever. But in the end, it looked like at the end of the year, TCU and Auburn were probably the two best teams in the country. But if TCU was in the Mountain West, then Oregon probably had the stronger schedule. That's true. That's like my, but my point is, the, the reason we got the playoff was so that TCU could play. So that a Mountain West team like TCU in that context could have played. And where I'm going with this is... <laughs> we shouldn't have joined the Big 12? Why <laughs> is Western Michigan, if they stay undefeated, not being talked about for the playoff? And hear That's me, true. Hear me out on this. Because if you tell Western Michigan that you were undefeated and it doesn't matter, then you're almost saying to Western Michigan, you're, you really don't have anything to play for. Like, it doesn't matter how well you play. It doesn't matter how consistent you are. You're not going to make it in unless there's an act of God and, like, one of these teams blows up. Well, Actually, that's maybe... a bad joke to make after that Brazilian soccer team died in a plane crash in Colombia, so I apologize. But you know what I'm saying. Maybe somebody will implode and they'll get to play. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I... No, <laughs> I completely me. agree I with you. I don't way, understand. I felt the same way about Memphis last year. Now, Memphis didn't end up going undefeated. But right. But they were getting close. It's like, if you're that... It, you're telling those teams that they have nothing to play for then. Especially, and I don't think this will happen, but let's say Alabama ends up losing a game and Western Michigan becomes the only undefeated team in the country. Now it's really like, what do we have to do? We just can't compete anymore. Right. So, which again. They should the, join a conference. That's what they should do. But the frustration <laughs> is the playoff was supposed to make it so that they didn't have no, to join No, I a totally agree with you. So that if So, you like, were, a team like Boise State could potentially play. Yeah. In the big four. In the, in the playoff. Sorry. But, yeah. No, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think. That's why we made the playoffs. So but why then, wouldn't we hold true to that? But then at the same that? time, the playoff is about getting the best four teams. And they're for sure not one of the best four teams, I think. Yeah. But it is it is confusing. So it's self-contradictory. And my point is it makes great television. It makes great entertainment. And right. that's why I wanted no, to stay. No, you're right. It does. Even though it's infuriating. <laughs> because, like, it's better when people are upset. That's true. It's just better. Even when it's us. And it's, spoiler. It was for sure not better when it was us. Spoiler, we're not going to make the playoff this year. (laughs) Unfortunately. Even though I said we were going to go 11-1. And And I'm pretty sure you said we were going to win the conference and make the playoff. I felt really confident. To be fair, was not... It wasn't what most people said, but it It wasn't wasn't entirely unreasonable. Like, I'm pretty sure Herb Street had us in the playoff. Well, good for him. He made a good choice. He was super wrong, but I appreciate his confidence in our football team. And our completely untested offensive line and quarterback play. Which, hold up, before we end this show, to all the Foster Sawyer truthers out there, he's not better than Kenny Hill. He's He's just not. not. And that's the problem. I wish Foster Sawyer were better than Kenny Hill. We probably would have won eight or nine. Our offensive line is fine. 
They're, they're not, not the bad. best, they're but they're not fine. Good. They're not good. They are at best often mediocre, occasionally bad, even less occasionally good. I think they're fine. Anyway. Because so, there are a lot of Foster Sawyer truthers out there. That oh, are like, the student section will start chanting Foster Sawyer. And I'm I, like, he's not better. No, he didn't get recruited by Cumbie and Meacham. He's just... I, Do I you think know it, our third string quarterback is on scholarship? I believe so, yeah. He is. He has never seen the field. Shout out to, I think his name is Deshaun Robinson, the quarterback that we're bringing in next year. He's currently the quarterback of DeSoto, Texas. What happened to Brandon Wooten? Wasn't he supposed to be good? I have no idea. He's a quarterback. I don't sure. Know. Anyway, but anyway, Robinson, assuming that's his last name, uh, <laughs> like we led DeSoto to a great comeback in the Texas State playoffs, apparently. I read that on Twitter. Shout out to them. Actually, we're going to do some more shuffling of the format. I mentioned Twitter, so we're going we're gonna to pimp out our Twitters right now. The show is at Riverham Sports. I'm... At Phil Papadakis. I am at Notorious underscore SYD. And... Okay, there was some website that for sure had us at, like, the 10th best offensive line in the country. <laughs> it, uh, was it, like, Frogs <laughs> of War? No, it wasn't a TCU thing. It was, like, a national news source. I don't think that's true at all. And they definitely don't pass the eye test. I don't think they're one of the top 10, but I don't think they're that bad. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Now we get to the end of the show, and what's apparently everyone's favorite segment, Rapid Fire. All now, right, I'm ready. You want to go first? I'm ready. Okay. I'll time myself. Ready? I'm ready. It's just going to beep. Like, I know you time yourself, but it, like, it, it, the timer's built into the sound effect. <laughs> okay, fine. All Play right, the sound ready? effect. Yeah, Three, I'm ready. Two, one. I'm going to talk about Stanford football, as I feel like I do a lot, because... I like Stanford. So Stanford has one of the most subdued fan base I think there ever was. I was at home this weekend, went to Stanford versus Rice. It was raining. It was cold. But there were like four people in this stadium. And this probably, hopefully not, was Christian McCaffrey's last home game. Hopefully he'll come back because I think it's important that he get a degree. But nonetheless, might have been his last game. And nobody came. There were entire sections that were completely empty. It started, like, the rain was kind of on and off. And it started raining, and this, the people would just, like, leave. And I get that we were killing them, but it was their last home game. Like, so many of Stanford's players, while probably not as important as Christian McCaffrey, are graduating, and their fans weren't there to watch their last home game. And that is just so upsetting. And I, ugh, California's need to get better at weather. Like, good lord. I they mean, just needed to stick it out. I'll, I'll agree on the weather bit. Um, I mean... I get cold so easily, and I could sit there for two hours and watch... Okay. And I think it's fair. I'll but admit like, that I only went to the second half because my parents didn't want to go to the first half, and eventually I talked my mom into going with me in the second half because I wasn't about to go by myself because that would be weird. But I get cold so easily, and I could sit there, and I was fine. Like, it was 50 degrees and raining. Like, 50 degrees is not that cold. It's not. What I will say is this. Like, the fans don't really owe the players anything. Oh, I completely disagree. Especially at Stanford, where, like, 
the school, like, would be perfectly fine without football. Right, but that's why it's, it's such not a like, novelty. It's not like Alabama, where, like, if they didn't have the football program, no one would know they exist. They'd right. be like the University of Montana. Shout out to, I think, they're the Grizzly Bears, at least their logo. That sounds thing. right. I occasionally see them in the NCAA tournament, and they've got, like, a bear, and they play in the Big Sky Conference. Anyway. Uh, Big Sky Conference. Like, the Stanford's going to be fine anyway. So, I get it. I would like to go see it because I care about sports, but I'm sure many Stanford people wouldn't. Shout out, Stanford. I bet you regret not accepting me because I would have gone to the game and cheered <laughs> on Christian McAfee. Anyway, I'm kidding. I love it here. Wouldn't change it for the world. All right. Want to count me in? Three, two, one. So, yesterday. No, that's a lie. Today, but at 11 p.m. last night. A little video game called Final Fantasy 15 came out. Now, Final Fantasy 15 for non-video game people might be like, why is there 15 of something called Final? To which I say, touche. It was originally supposed to be the last project in the fr- in like all of the company, but it was so successful that they kept making them. This game started development 10 years ago. That's a lie. More than that, but we heard about it 10 years ago. It's been 10 years in the making. It's gone through, like, several different directors, different names, different console generations of hardware, and we finally have it. And we're in a weird space in video games right now where not only is that game coming out, but next week The Last Guardian is coming out also after 10 years of development. And they're both important games to me. I've only played Final Fantasy 15 because it's the one that's out, and it's pretty darn good. I encourage everyone to get it a shot and at least at least accept and appreciate the history that's happening this week in video games. That's the show. And we leave you with this. is a song off the new Justice record called Alakazam. The Justice record, the album, is called Woman, and it's underwhelming. Not women in general, but just the album. Uh, I don't know why it's called Woman, other than maybe they wanted to make fun of critics who were going to say it's bad by saying, this person complains about woman. Is like the headline, which I guess is kind of funny. But, like, even if you're someone that loves disco and loves dance music like I do, this is kind of fun. I like this song. There's, like, three good songs on the record. But it's just disappointing because Justice, when they put out their debut album, Cross, it was, like, a revelation in the world of dance music. And Audio Video Disco, which came out a few years ago, and now Woman, are just kind of meh. Like, they would play in the lobby of a hotel that was trying to be trendy, but wasn't actually underground. You know what I'm saying? I got you. It's just not that great. But it, it's got fun moments. Anyway, this has been the Reference Sports Show. My name is Phil Papadakis. My co-host is, as always... Sydney Loudon. And this has been the Reference Sports Show on KTCU 88.7 The Choice. We are here almost every Tuesday from 5.30 to 6.30, and we encourage you... 
to listen in. You can listen to the podcast if you can't listen to us live on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. It's always up just right after the show. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll come listen to us again. Have a good evening.